Episode 2, The Raven. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, weak and weary, over many a quainted and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. "'Tis some visitor, I muttered, tapping at my chamber door. Only this, and nothing more. Ah, distinctly I remember, it was the bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow. Vainly I was sought to borrow, from my books surcrease to sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels named Lenore, nameless here forevermore. And the silken sad uncertain rustling of each purple curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before, so that now to still the beating of my heart, I stood, repeating, tis some visitor entreating, entering at my chamber door, some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, this it is, and nothing more. Presently my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. Sir, said I, or madam, truly your forgiveness I implore, but the fact is I was napping, and so gently you came rapping, and so faintly you came tapping, tapping at my chamber door, that I scarce was sure I heard you. Here I opened wide the door, darkness there, and nothing more. Deep into the dark peering, long I stood there wandering, fearing, doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, the stillness gave no token, and the only word there, spoken, was the whispered word, Lenore. This I whispered, and an echo murmured back the word, Lenore. Merely this, and nothing more. Then, into the chamber turning, all my soul within me burning, soon again I heard a tapping, something louder than before. Surely, said I, surely that this is something at my window latace. Let me see, then, the there it is, and this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment, and this mystery explore. Tis the wind, and nothing more. Open here I flung the shutter, when with many a flirt and flutter, and there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obedience made he, not an instant stopped or stayed he, but with mane of lord or lady perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace just above my chamber door, perched and sat, and nothing more. Then this ebony bird, beguiling my sad face into smiling, by the grave and stern decorum of the conference it wore, Thought thy cry be shorn and shaven, thou, I said, art sure no craven, ghastly grim and ancient raven, wandering from the nightly shore, tell me what thy lordly name is in the night's plutonium shore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Much I marveled this ungainly fowl to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore, for we all cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door, bird or beast up on the sculpted bust above his chamber door, with such a name as nevermore. But the raven, sitting lonely on the placid bust, spoke only that one word, as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. 
Nothing further than he uttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, Other friends have flown before. On the morrow he will leave me, as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, Nevermore. Startled at the stillness broken by my reply so aptly spoken, Doubtless, said I, what at others its only stock and store, caught from unhappy master from unmerciful disaster, followed fast and faster till his songs unburdened bore to the dyers of his hope and the melancholy burden bore of never, never more. But the raven, still beguiling, all my sad soul into smiling, straight I willed a cushioned seat in front of the burdened bust and door, then upon the velvet sinking I betook myself to linking, fancy unto fancy, thinking what ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore meant in croaking nevermore. This I sat engaging and guessing, but no syllable expressing, to the fowl whose fiery eyes now burned into my bosom's core. This, and more I sat divining, with my head at ease reclining, on the cushion's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated o'er, but whose velvet violet lighting with the lamplight gloating o'er, she shall press, ah, nevermore. Then, methought, the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer, sung by seraphim whose footfalls tinkled on the tuffled floor. Wretch, I cried, thy God hath lent thee, by the angels he hath sent thee, respite, respite, and apeath from thy memories of Lenore. Quaif, O oh, quaif this kind apeath, and forget this lost Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, whether temperous sent or whether temperous tossed thee here ashore, desolate, all undaunted on the desert land, enchanted on the home of horror haunted, tell me, I truly implore. Is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil by the heaven that bends above us, by the god we both adore, tell the soul with sorrow laden, if within the distant Aden it shall clasp a saint maiden whom to the angels named Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden who the angels named Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Be what word our sign of parting bird or fiend, I shrieked, upstarting, get thee back into the temptest of the night's plutonium shore, leave no black plume at a token that thy life shall have the soul spoken, Leave my loneliness unbroken, quit the bust up of my door. Take thy beak out of my heart, and take thy form from my door, quoth the raven, nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting on the pallid bust of palace just above my chamber door. And his eyes have all the seeming of a demon that is dreaming, and the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor. And my soul, out that shadow that lies floating on the floor, shall be lifted nevermore. Thank you for listening to episode two. Um, here's a little bit about Poe himself. Edgar Allan Poe is a man that is best remembered for his short stories that express tragedy. Born Edgar Poe on January 19th, 1809 in Boston, Massachusetts. This being said, everybody can call it. He was a Capricorn. <laughs> All jokes aside, though, uh, Poe Poe came from a broken family. His father left him a year after he was born, and his mother died after his father left. 
and that is why he has the name Edgar Allan Poe, because he moved in with John Francis Allen. Through the years, uh, Poe went to the University of Virginia, only to drop out due to a lack of money. After college, Poe's life becomes a bit of a mystery. All of this in no order. Uh, when Poe was 27, he got married to his 13-year-old cousin, Virginia Eliza Clem. The thing is, though, many people speculated that Poe and her did a lot of um, not-safe-for-work things, to say the least, but in all of their writings to get, like, or to each other and together, there's no ex explicit signs of anything more than just Poe taking care of her because 11 years after they got married, uh, Virginia died of tuberculosis. In that time, uh, during the 1940s, Poe had two enemies, um, or he had many enemies, but specifically the two I want to talk about is Thomas Dunn English and Rufus R. Griswold. When Poe was alive, Thomas Dunn English and him uh, did not like each other. Uh, Poe tried to sue the place where English was working, and he did not like him by the end of his job. So what um, what Thomas did was he wrote a book called The Doom of the Drinkers, where he named a character Walter Wolfe, who later on he expressed was the depiction of Poe as a smart writer and a good writer, but also a heavy drinker. It was never explicitly found, though, in Poe's life that he ever did start drinking, so it's just a way to slander him. On top of that, Poe criticized Rufus R. Griswold's anthology. I don't specifically remember which one, but afterwards, uh, they started to hate each other, or at least Griswold set out to ruin Paul's, uh, Paul's, Poe's life after death. And so, Griswold wrote the... Um, wrote the biography of Poe, slandering his name and saying that he was a drug addict, he drank, he was very sexually active, all things that were proven or are starting to be proven as not true and just lies. Poe's writing is very interesting. I think that the themes of the story are very interesting. If you look into it, The Raven is a story about a man who lost Lenore which Lenore is another poem by Edgar Allan Poe, but it is about a man who lost his love, and through that, the grief of losing someone has caused him to go into a direction that many people are saying is a depressive state. And the raven is to symbolize an ohm of uh, ill intent or action, and it makes sense. The man is grieving, he's very upset, and he is feeling horrible that he has just lost someone very close to him, possibly his wife or a lover. It's very strange that in a story like this, uh, a bird is used as the symbol of bad luck. It could have been anything else, but uh, Poe just wanted it to be a raven, not specifically for its symbolism of a bad omen, but because it made sense to him. I think it's a very interesting, good story, and I'm glad that you guys listen to it today um if you like it share this podcast if you would like to follow me follow me on instagram at jack carson bnn uh 
I'm going to be going on vacation next week. So episode three, HP Lovecraft, the terrors of horror and death might not be coming out on time, but hopefully I are. I'd like to catch you in the library again, and thank you for listening.